All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the overlap. I am joined again by my friend Rian, back with the eighth episode discussing the most recent La Liga games and the Premier League games. We had some interesting results this weekend, but as always, first things first, Rian, how you doing? I'm doing all right, and I just came back from uh, the Poconos. I was there for a few days with some friends. Um, and it was very interesting. It's like uh, the place we were staying at was like this Quaker community, kind of. Oh. Not, well, actually, not even kind of. It was in this Quaker community. And so, like, you couldn't drink in public. We had you all drinking within the room and then at dinner, basically. Like, we had dinner. Yeah. They had dinner that was, like, made for us. It was, like, $30 for each person, which is not bad. Um, and generally like it, it was very odd because we were in this like secluded area pretty much and then once you drove out into town it was like uh hmm, how do i put this lately uh there were a few too many american flags around if you uh, get my drift <laughs> i see for those patriots that are currently yes. listening we are yes. certainly patriots as well yes uh, and we we support um, but uh, but as to African American males, um, <laughs> please please uh, don't hurt us. I was never I was never really afraid, but you know, just you, know, you count a few uh, too many American flags, and uh, <laughs> we went to a general store, and there was uh, interesting little minstrel dolls or uh, minstrel figures, and uh, a few of them seem like they were there since like i don't know the <laughs> since like the 50s Let's <laughs> that that yeah yeah so very very interesting place but the actual place we were staying i was really was really nice and i uh, got to do a little fishing and uh hiking oh, nice stuff so it was a nice relaxing weekend yeah yeah that sounds like a lot of fun how's yours well, my weekend was chill. Um, our good friend Jay, who you guys know from the pod, um, was up visiting me this weekend in New York. So it was good to see him. Um, he may or may not be back on the next pod. We'll see about that. Um, but he was in town, so spent some time. Just get really getting to see people again, you know, back in New York after moving in. It takes a while to get settled and stuff like that. But I am, in fact, settled in. I'm now fully in the big city, and uh, Rian is not that far away from joining yeah, just just a matter of a couple of months, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just uh, just a few months, just yeah, a full yes, season. Yes, but it looks like <laughs> happy to say that it looks like I'm very very close to getting a subletter. So that is a huge fina- financial weight off of my shoulders. Well, dude, well, I was I was talking to people today at work, and <laughs> when they realized how much was being taken out of their bi monthly paycheck for taxes, uh, you're going to get a heart attack. I'm just telling you now. Like, just be prepared for that. It's not pretty. Yeah, yeah, as expected. That's New York for you. Well, let's go ahead and get to it. We got a lot to talk about on today's pod. First things first, we're going to actually switch it up this week and talk a little La Liga to start. Uh, first game of the weekend that we are going to discuss, and first game from this past weekend, Real Madrid tying Valladolid. Can't you tell I'm smiling right now? I'm so <laughs> <laughs> I can I can I can just about tell from the from the cadence <laughs> in your voice. Yeah, well this this game was was very weird. So obviously Modric was out um and 
and I guess Zidane decided to make a couple changes because um, he went with a, a midfield that included Isco and also played James in in the starting eleven. Not not subbed James. He started James, um, who is a player that Zidane has not necessarily wanted to keep around. Um, but I guess he was feeling that with well him really being short a few options that this was the best route to go. Um, turns out that was not in fact the case, not necessarily because of the scoreline, but because Hamas is now out, out for three to four weeks. Um, and for a player that was about to be shipped off potentially to Napoli, that does not necessarily bode well for that signing. Granted, three to four weeks is not a long time in the grand scheme of uh, a, you know, a long-term deal, but still something to keep in mind when about to sign for a new club. Yeah. So uh, it was it was interesting stuff to see this weekend, especially we saw Bale start again, right? We did, yeah, and we saw. I mean, he started him on the right side um, in this game. So he did, yeah. Uh, even by, I think second half he switched him over to the left. That's that's where at least um, where he was on Benzema's goal. So I don't know. It, it made me it made me somewhat hopeful of the fact that he might have him on that side when Hazard comes back. But I don't know what you think. I think that Madrid have a goal scoring problem. I think that is probably their biggest problem. And it's kind of crazy to think that a team that has world-class forwards, and I genuinely mean that. I do think that Benzema is a world-class forward. I think he's still got it. I think he still can produce goals. I don't know what we're going to see from Gareth Bale the rest of the season because he is that type of player that we've seen in the last couple of years that tends to dip and tends to go up and down. And he has his moments, but consistency is key right of the, you know the best thing that you can offer as a player is availability right so i don't know what we're going to see but a team that should be playing hazard bale and benzema in my humble opinion as they're starting 11 uh only has two of those three healthy and one of which who has had so many problems with the coaching staff and getting into the starting lineup in the first place that you only leave them with one key striker or one key attacker and that's Kareem Benzema so I think that when Hazard comes back I think that's the best thing that can happen for them I think they need someone that has an eye for goal that can combine with Hazard or with uh, Benzema very well and genuinely can contribute going forward because it feels like they can do more or there's another gear that this team can hit but they haven't hit that stride yet yeah yeah like you said it's it's a bit of a shame that um their new signings aren't able to get minutes right now, um, either because of fitness, um, injuries, or just not quite ready yet. We saw Jovic come in the game, um, and he did fairly well when he came and he hit the post on a really good header. Um, outside yeah. of that, uh, you know, we're we're still waiting to see what this full team looks like because there are a lot of moving parts in that starting squad. So I I think we still have yeah. to give it a few weeks, um, but. I agree. I, th- I think they have a little. I mean, at least on the goal, Vidalid gets through their midfield pretty easily. I think that's got to be a bit of a worry. But then again, Modric wasn't in that game, so you also have to you know, take that with a bit of a grain of salt. Um, now, I think this this team is. It, you don't want to call it a transition year because you can't do that with Real Madrid. That gets you fired, basically. <laughs> right. Right. So, exactly. That's what Santi Scolari was, uh, or Solari was there for, but um, yeah, that didn't work out. Too right, well. exactly. So there's no room for transition years. So, and you know, 
you have to give Zidane um, a little more time, obviously, with these guys that come in and have to blood them into the squad. So I, I think it'll be tough. But I, I don't think we're really going to see this team set or maybe at their best probably for another month at least, a month or two. And that's going to be tough because the other two teams um, that are also fighting for the title you know, have had their players for set for like a longer time period and seem to have integrated them in much in a in a much quicker and cleaner fashion than uh what's happening at in Real Madrid right now. Yeah, absolutely. And you would think that with the signings they've made over the summer that they would get some minutes, but I we genuinely haven't seen and okay, yeah, it's been two games, I get it, but we haven't seen any sort of consistency in which Mendy starts. Uh Militao gets a chance. Uh jo- Jovic you know, starts, I, I think he could in a side that's a little bit depleted going forward. Um, and Hazard is obviously injured. So it's not like their new signings have contributed a whole lot recently. Granted, this is a game of inches. And if Jovic's header had gone in, maybe we'd be saying something entirely different. Um, but that's how close this, this game is. And I do think that their signings will contribute in the long run. But this season may not be that big of a season for some of them. I don't want to say that they won't contribute or won't have stellar seasons. You know, some of them by their by any you know by their standards. But I, I do want to see a little bit more effort um, or time given to some of those new signings. Yeah, again, big work in progress. I think we'll get a better sense once um, we get back from the international break, and you know, then we're into European games midweek and stuff. And so then we'll get a. We'll get a better look at whether we think these guys can really contribute to the rest of the season. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, some other players that have contributed, um, Jao Felix being one of them for Atletico, um, but Atletico put in like the most Atletico performance of all time <laughs> this weekend. Literally, just the staple of Diego Simeone: a one-nil win against Leganes away. First off. Leganes have one of my favorite atmospheres in Spain. I love the Butarque. It is one of my favorite stadiums in Spain. And in watching that game, just seeing the amount of energy, even after they had gone down 1-0 um, in the 70-ish ish minutes, somewhere in there. That's not a word, but whatever. Um, it, it was just so lively. Like it was, It looked like it was so much fun to be at. And if you are ever in Spain, anyone that's listening, and you have the chance to be there or around that area, go to a game. But when I say this is the most Atletico game of all time, they they didn't play particularly well. They weren't outlandish. Um, it was an entertaining game. There was a lot of back and forth. I think Leganes actually did well, especially going down the wings. Um, they, they did run to a little bit of a block, I think, in the defensive sense, um, their fullbacks did relatively well. Uh, Trippier had an okay game, in my opinion. But I think they did actually do a decent amount going forward. Where they lacked consistency was actually getting the shot off. Um, where, on the other end, Atletico, with the strike force that they have, and Morata and Jao Felix, they have the ability to be clinical, right? That's, that's why they're extremely talented players, and that's why they eventually won. But them winning 1-0, 
isn't necessarily reflective of the whole game because after that first goal went in, Atletico, at least for the last 20 minutes, in my opinion, they seemed to be on the back foot. And I wasn't totally impressed with them going forward after that. But that's like, again, the most Atletico thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you see um, expected goals in that Atletico Madrid at 1.39, Leganes 0.38. So I'll tell you, they, they really dominate in terms of quality chances. But right, you know, after that goal goes in, there's not a lot that happens going forward for Atletico, um, which, like I said, is very, very peak um, Cholo Simeone, right? So um, <laughs> we still see that there's still – the encouraging thing is how solid they still are at the back, even after losing uh, Godin and, uh, and Juan Fran from uh, last season. So that's a really, really good – uh, sign for me, especially as someone who thinks that they could win the league this season. Um, that's that's really good to see. They're still very, very hard to break down and hard to uh, really get very good chances against. So um, that was great. But you know, just an aside, I was listening to uh, <laughs> I was listening to Sid Lowe's podcast today, um, Spanish football podcast, uh, and yes. yeah, they were talking about this match and. Uh, they were talking about. They kept saying uh, the the butaki. They're saying it different than you. They're saying the butaki and stuff. And I'm going to be totally honest with you. For the first 15 minutes of that of that discussion, I was really checking my uh, audio to see if I was hearing the right thing there. <laughs> I'm not going to say exactly what I what I thought they might have been saying. Um, you know, this is this is a PG-13 podcast i'm not gonna go i'm not going i'm not trying to go into <laughs> rated r or nc17 here but you know, that, that's neither here nor there um but, but, but generally I, I think they actually could have had this game a lot more uh, in a more comfortable position going into the second half um Marata has two really good chances to score especially the first one where he's basically one-on-one just inside the 18 and can't wrap it around the wrap it around um in, wrap it on the inside of the post um and then he has another one another uh header that that you know it was not an easy chance at all but you know you expect him to finish those it's once again you know this is the same thing that we saw um that i saw at least with chelsea he gets into really really good positions but um just not quite the top level of being clinical and i think they're really going to need him especially when you have talking about an older diego costa on this team who is injured to start this season and you know you can never really count on costa to um do anything no no oh wow okay <laughs> how dare you that man has won three league titles oh, shut two up. in two different countries all right so how about you hop off all right oh, no he's uh, Morata, Morata need, they need him to be clinical, though, especially if they're going to really keep pace with Barcelona. That's they need him to be clinical. They need him to finish those chances because you know another day they could have easily drawn this game with with Leganes, right? Um, For sure, you know. They, yeah, so so that's that's definitely something to look at. They're getting good chances, which is which is very um, encouraging for the team as a whole. And Joao Felix is looking like he's you know it's only two games in so he's only going to get more comfortable within this team within this league and it's his first two games you know really really key plays um 
to help the team get a win. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I do want to say though that I expected a little bit more out of them in terms of being clinical, kind of like you said with Morada. Um, I think he's actually shown that capability of being able to be a clinical and efficient striker. And correct me, I mean, it, you know, feel free to disagree, but those chances, like you said, should have been put away. But I think that they get into an iffy situation when they play slightly better competition. Not to take any of anything away from Leganes because they did do very well last season, and I do think they will do okay this season. But if that's a top six side and you're just totally bottling those chances. Those are the type of things that lose an entire league campaign for you. And I think that's exactly. very, very important yeah. to recognize that they, they can't miss those sort of chances going forward. Granted, I would love for them to, because you're picking them to win the league, but I'm just saying for their benefit, they need to be able to be that clinical. And I think they can, but um, you know, another team that was clinical this weekend, you want to name that team? <laughs> Do you want to name that man? That uh, dirty blonde, cheekbone loving, confetti throwing, just god of a man, blackface wearing. I I, I, that, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. We'll just we'll gloss over that. Absolutely, that's fine. we will. Uh, <laughs> I have no clue what that's about, but what uh game oh my god Rian and i were watching this game simultaneously and before i even give my thoughts on this game was this not more entertaining than last weekend <laughs> oh a hundred percent because <laughs> because the, the players look like they knew what the hell their roles were that's, <laughs> that, that's definitely part of it um uh, it maybe helped too that dembele wasn't playing oh, uh, oh <laughs> rough. um who knows? I mean, it, no, Griezmann was, you know, I give him a lot of stick, um, but Griezmann was absolutely world-class in this game. He played the false nine Did you really just play Yeah, yeah. Seriously? No, he, he, was, he was world-class. He was world-class in that game. You know, it was Betis, but, you know, Whoa, he was world-class oh, that's my in that game. game. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, was, he was world-class against that team. Um, I, no, in general, he was world-class. He Played the false nine beautifully, beautifully well. Um, he, he was the brightest before the first goal comes. He was the brightest spot easily. Um, he really did well dropping into midfield and just spraying balls out wide. They, that was the thing. This game they were much much quicker with all the, with all their passes. The tempo was much much better, um, especially from Griezmann. Especially from yeah. Griezmann, he he was dropping in and. Um, doing very well to switch play and generally try to get into those really, really tough positions to defend, especially, you know, we see that from the first goal. He, he makes a run in those, that, you know, we've seen a lot from, like, Suarez, really. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think I think also have to give a bit of a shout-out to uh, Sergio Roberto, who was great during that game as well. He provides the assist for the first uh, Griezmann goal. You know, he was, I mean... He's so important to them because he can play so many positions. Uh, I still like him in the cent- in central mid the most, but you know, he, um, and it feels like this season he'll get a chance to play there a lot more, which is which is great for the team. I think overall. Yeah, I agree. Actually, one note on uh, Sergi, um is that 
I think his biggest flaw is sometimes positionally. I think he sometimes lack, lacks positional awareness. Um, granted, I think he's very good going forward um, and able being able to progress the play. I think he progresses it sometimes in the wrong way. I think he, he goes a little wide wider than he should. But he's actually a very good crosser of the ball and a very yeah. good assister. Like you don't really realize that until you've seen some of the assists, especially that he's given to Suarez. But some of them are just like dimes. Like granted, it's it's a world class striker on both ends of those type of balls, but they're really, really clinical, and I really appreciated that. So yes, I do like him in the central mid role. I like him being a squad player. I think he will be important this season, like he has the past couple of seasons. Obviously, in the right back role, but I do think that he he sticks around as a squad player and a good one. Um, but man, this this game was like you said, it was so entertaining to watch. Like I, I felt like I was watching a side that properly knew what it was doing. Last weekend, no idea what they were doing. Um, I think that the front three almost had something to prove as well. It was depleted, obviously, with Griezmann being the only star man out of a star-studded um, trio of attackers normally. Um, but they really stepped up. I mean – Take a bow, Carlos Perez, for for his goal as well in his his league debut. Like he that, that first touch was the first touch on that goal yeah. to get away from to get away from the defender on his left side was just disgusting. It was yeah. so good. It yeah. was so good. Some uh, some Barca fans were calling it messy esque, but uh, they need to sit down. <laughs> but generally, no. I was so happy with this performance, not because. They scored five goals. You, you, I think I would have been happy with this performance and they won 3-2 because it felt like this team could have won that game in any moment. You know, It felt like the team was never actually going to lose that game even though they went down 1-0. And I, and I give all the credit to the players that were on the field and even a little more to Valverde actually for sorting it, sorting it out after that first game, because obviously he knew it was not a first game, there was for, uh, a good game, but I think he made the necessary changes in bringing Pusquets and playing him along uh, Frankie de Jong. Granted, I don't like Frankie de Jong in the left mid slash almost left wing position. Um, he was very isolated, couldn't connect passes. Largely all he could really do was either play it into Jordi Alba once or twice or play it back to sort of, Busquets or PK somewhere in the back line area. Um, so he needs to be more central. I think it'll be very interesting to see going forward who consistently gets the central defensive midfielder spot. I don't know if it's going to be Frankie de Jong or Sergi Busquets going forward. I would guess if I had to put money on it that it would actually be de Jong. But I would not at all surprise me to see Busquets there constantly and De Jong in a more advanced role. But De Jong is the is the one that excels in that role currently, right? We saw him after um, Pussy was subbed off, and he played great in that role. I yeah. don't. I I just I don't know. I don't know what to expect there. Yeah, it was quite weird seeing him in that position where he wasn't dropping very much to receive the ball. It, it does seem a little ineffective from him but he's what 2021 so um 
you know, he's, he's going to have to develop that side of his game anyway, you know, making those late runs into the box. Like that, that's something that also impresses me about Roberto is he makes great late runs into the box he from does, that yeah. midfield position. Um, he, De Jong, you know, I, I think that was just, that, that was a game that definitely looked like the manager specifically told him what he wants him to do during that game, right? That he wants him to make, to run into the box. That he wants him to be closer to the goal and stuff. And he just looked a little out of place there because it's not his natural um, area. It wasn't his natural area of attacking at, in any sense. So I, I do wonder what, what happens because Busquets in there was the calming influence that I think they lacked last weekend. Um, right. But at the same time, they can't. They're not a team that plays four two three one. So it's not like they. They're not going to be do like a pivot of Busquets and De Jong. Um, although that is something that I wonder about when uh, Messi and Suarez come back. I wonder if a four two three one actually might be the best route to go with this with this team where you have maybe Griezmann sitting in behind so, Suarez or or Messi in that sense. So I, I, mm. I think, I, I don't know, I, th- I think it was very interesting how good Griezmann was, you know, being more central. And I see that and I'm like, I you can't have this man out on the wing again. You know, there's, he's too involved. He, he needs to be involved more. Right. And, and, and you saw that's where he's most comfortable is in the middle of the pitch. Um, so I do wonder if they ever trot out a four, uh, something of a four, two, three, one, where maybe Griezmann starts in the center, but then is really, he's really like a number 10 in some sense. Um, I think that would look very good. I don't know though. What, what would you think? I actually extremely disagree for, for only one reason. And I get, I get why anyone would say that a four, two, three, one would be good because it makes sense giving the attacking flair that you have. And part of it is like, well, if you score more goals than the other team, then you win, right? It doesn't really matter how many concede. But I think with Busquets at his age and De Jong being really the only one athletic between the two in, I guess, the double pivot, you lose a lot of cover in the midfield area, like a lot. And unless... Both of those wingers, one of which I'm assuming might be Dembele in that case, is tracking back all the time. You're A, not giving him the time of day to go forward as much as he would like it, which is where he excels. And B, you're overrunning Busquets and De Jong, who I'm assuming would probably be the two in a double pivot. And I don't like the idea, and nor do I trust um, an aging midfield to try and cover that because... We've seen it go bad in in last year's Liverpool game. Um, see Anfield for potential potential results. Um, right. So that that genuinely does scare me. I would prefer to stick to the four three three and throw in an extra midfielder for cover. Okay, yeah, I understand that. I mean, maybe, maybe I could see definitely in bigger games that could end up being a real problem. Just you know, athleticism wise with uh, Busquets there. Um, I'd like to see it maybe against a, a lower a lower table team, mm-hmm. um, just to see what it looks like. But I completely yeah. understand your reservations with that. Yeah, yeah, no, that that is actually fair to experiment in some some ways. I can definitely see um, enjoying that. Um, but I do also want to shout out before we wrap up here, um, Ansu Fati, sixteen years old. I remember reading about this kid 
two-ish years ago, something along those lines. And the reviews were good, but man, he he really does have some talent. He is I can't believe he's only 16. He literally looks like he's 14. Um, Unbelievable, yeah. He 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 just has that sort of skill. And it was I was so happy to see a La Masia player make a debut like that, make a debut for that matter. And he got a huge roar from the Camp Nou. And it was it was it was really like for me, like seeing you know things that I like about this club or have, have grown to and really enjoy about this club. It, it was a reminder that there are still some ways that um, you know we hold on to, to tradition, which is obviously important for the club. Um, so that was that was really great to see. Congratulations to him, and I think his father after that it was the funniest thing. He was like, "Yeah, now I can die happy because I saw my son um, get uh, get to play for Barcelona the first team," and I was like damn, I, I, I kind of feel bad for his other siblings. Like if your dad's like, yeah, I'm out. Like I'm done. My other son no. is my favorite. <laughs> no, he's got to be extremely proud. But yeah. Um, I, yeah, he was he was really confident. That was that was, uh, that was the thing I, that you always try to look for when um, someone who's that young comes and plays with the first team and stuff is, you know, whether they're going to be very timid. And he easily could have been because the game was pretty wrapped up and um, he was playing – uh, what right wing so you know he could have been very timid but he he was pretty confident he took players on and uh it, it was absolutely adorable picture afterwards of uh messi hugging him after the game so yeah yeah that, that was a great great picture of messi congratulating carlos perez and obviously giving a hug to, to ansu because you know he at some point he was at the same position right making your debut exactly. as a, at a young age is is tough and so it's always good to see the youngsters get along like that so props to him props to the team um so my question to you then before we wrap up again, Dembele to PSG for Neymar, would you take that deal? If I'm PSG? If you are Barcelona, would you offer that? Oh. Because um, clearly you have a vendetta against him. <laughs> I mean, it's not necessarily a vendetta. It's like I'm just the facts. We have not – he's been with the team for what, three years now and we haven't seen him really get any better. So uh, yeah. I – that's really tough. Um, if I'm PSG, I do that in a heartbeat. Um, yeah. If I'm Barcelona, you know, maybe. Maybe I do do it. Maybe, maybe – maybe you do it and then you have i mean you have real real lineup problems there that, i mean mm. if you do that i really feel like you'll you'll almost have to play four two three one who are you sitting on that team? yeah there's, um, there's no benching any of those four players <laughs> right right um so if i'm barcelona yeah I, i'll pull the trigger on that because you it's really hard to turn down a a top three or four player in the world. It's really, really hard to turn that down, especially if you don't have to pay full cash, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels like that feels like something that that specific deal is probably going to take a very long time for people on the board to really hash out between each other, because that feels like an extremely hair splitting kind of uh, transaction. So, yeah, well, we only have really, I guess, a couple more days until the end of the transfer window, about a week now. Um, and uh, it doesn't look like a deal is getting any closer. Um, I do know that um, some of the Barcelona board are scheduled to fly to Paris tomorrow. 
to meet with PSG for the second time in a sit-down meeting. Uh, whether or not anything comes of it, I give up with this. I, I don't even care anymore. Just figure it out. <laughs> all all we can do is sit and wait, in all honesty. Yeah, pretty much. I fully agree. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We're going to go ahead and recap some of the Premier League games from this past weekend, including a special match of the day highlight from Rion. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the pod. Premier League, Rian, this weekend was weird. Uh, very, very. Um, yeah, very weird weekend, I'll say. But to start us off on a very light note, um, my match of the day highlight for this week uh, comes from the Chelsea Norwich game, which uh, BBC commentator comes up with an Awesome nickname for Timu Puki after he scores their second goal. Um, he does a wonderful play on words uh, after Puki scores, calling him Puki Blinders in reference to <laughs> the, <laughs> the Netflix slash BBC show Peaky Blinders, starring the unflappable Killian Murphy, who's a Christopher Nolan regular. Um, it was really, really funny. I, I, I legitimately, you know, got he got me a chuckle out of me when I was watching those. Uh, I was watching Match of the Day, so <laughs> no, I, I hope that one keeps going. I'm calling him Pookie Blinders now. That's his. That's his new name. I do. I do really like that. Um, and when, <laughs> for full autonomy on my end, when I saw this in our notes for the pod, I genuinely thought that Rian came up with this. But then I realized Rian could never come up with something that brilliant. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Thank you for bringing it up. I mean, giving me two more weeks, I would have gotten it easily. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm sure. You should become a comedy writer. Yeah. <laughs> you have about two weeks to write an SNL episode. Go. <laughs> yeah, that'll work. But um, let's, let's talk about the premier game in the Premier League this weekend. Liverpool, almost champions last season, taking on the Gunners. At Anfield, what did you make of this game? Um, well, first, we're just going to talk about the Liverpool perspective for this episode since we'll save the Arsenal bits for our match of the weekend uh, podcast because there's going to be a lot on the Arsenal side that we need to talk about. But um, for <laughs> Liverpool, I, I'll start off with you. Know, how are you? First of all, Elias, you got to go see this at an Arsenal bar with our oh, friend Jay. Was, oh. you, got, you got to talk about that experience a little bit. Man, I I haven't been to a soccer bar in a couple of years. The last time I went was the Classico. Uh, so it was a Barcelona bar in New York, actually, um, I think three years ago. And man, going it's it's fun going to a soccer bar. I didn't realize like I forgot how fun it was. You know, it was it was a great atmosphere, especially before the game. All the Gunners fans um, just screaming and shouting before the game started. Everyone was really into it. Um, and then depression set in around the 40th minute. Um, <laughs> it was definitely, honestly, it. I, I felt like in the first half, there were times where it was Arsenal's game to lose. And I never thought I'd be saying that at Anfield. 
Um, granted, seeing that with with Jay, I might have uh, been a bit biased there. So uh, <laughs> yeah. sorry, Jay. Uh, just just a tad. Um, but that that experience was a ton of fun for sure. I would recommend that anyone that is a fan of any Premier League or La Liga teams find a bar that shows the games around where you live and go. It is a ton of fun. Good way to meet some people too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always advocate for that too. That, that's always a super fun experience, especially, you know, meeting the other fans. You'll, you'll always have the variety of, um, people who are actually from like London or like, you know, Americans who have been fans for like decades or something like that. So that's always a super cool experience. But, um, onto the actual match, I have to start with how good was Roberto Firmino? How good was Bobby? Uh, he's, his, right. <laughs> his, his, his passing and touches were just sublime, really. Like, all game. First half, um, he flicks it over Sabias' head. <laughs> he takes a shot just outside the 18. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when he knew he was on. And, um, and then he has, he has the pass for uh, Salah that, where Davaluiz classic Dom Luis pulls on on uh, Salah's jersey. Can, um, can we talk about that for a second? We're, that we're, is the most <laughs> All right, whatever. We're, we're, oh my god. Save it. We'll save it. I, I have so much. I have so much on Dom Luis. But for, for me right now, I, I really think he's the most important out of those three, Those that front three, in my opinion, because um, of what he allows the other two to do. You know, he's, I talked, we talked about it last week in, um, in the preview for this game, you know, great front threes need someone who's willing to sacrifice. And he is just, he's got to be every winger's dream, every goal scoring winger's dream because of how unselfish he is, how great he is at playing at one twos, you know, any type of pass to supply Mane and, and Salah, he can make it. He's just so, so great to watch. I mean, perfect he's he's perfect for those for those two wingers yeah yeah yeah. i absolutely agree um i do think that in some way i think honestly when he's at towards the end of his career he could serve more (laughs) this might be crazy but as an eight more than uh almost like a 10 if you will I, I, I don't know. I think I think he has just sort of the creativity and the flair um, to make that happen. But he he is a great player. I have no doubt that he will have a great season as well. And he might just have the whitest teeth known to man. <laughs> he's got the best. He's either got the best dental care money could buy in terms of he's just always he's been brushing his teeth since he came out the womb, or <laughs> he, or he's just got the best set of veneers in the world it's one of the two really dude he he absolutely has to use whitening strips like three (laughs) times a day like you can you cannot get those like normally that is some artificial stuff that that is fair that is fair you know he it does make especially watching um betis play barcelona um this weekend you know saw a great outside of everyone else fakir was probably the best player on uh betis and he had a great great game um i do wonder what what that team is like if Fakir is in there is also on that team. It's also on uh, Liverpool because uh, he would naturally be playing the same role as Firmino. I think he offers a bit more of a goal scoring threat um, where where Firmino I think is a better supplier. So I, I think that that would be really interesting if those two were, if they were in the same squad. Just the possibilities um, 
they would have of either playing those two together or you know being able to rotate between those two players would is would be disgusting but um yeah but you know that's just a hypothetical uh i, I in terms of what actually happened during the game the fullbacks for liverpool once again starred um, especially with all the space that was being given to them by Arsenal's tactics. Oh, I mean, they, yeah. to be fair, they started off poorly, um, which is why I think you believe that, you know, it was Arsenal's game to lose because at the, for the first, let's say, half hour or so, um, they're playing, they're playing a lot of crosses to the head, you know, not, not many, um, and by to the head, I mean like into the around like the six yard box, and um, they weren't cutting the ball back a lot. There wasn't a lot of ground passes um, coming from Alexander Arnold and Robertson. But you know, you keep giving them so many touches. You know, I we said I said this in the preview, and I'll keep saying this almost every week when we talk about Liverpool. Those two fullbacks are their most important creators on the team. You know, there's a reason that those two guys had 12 and 11 assists. There's a reason that those guys led the team in assists. So to come out with a ta- with a game plan that is, let's give these guys the most touches throughout the entire game. 98 touches for Robertson, 108 for uh, Alexander Arnold. Led 108 game high. So. Alexander Arnold more touches than anyone else on the pitch, and uh, Robertson's 98, third most. So to give Liverpool's most uh, primary creators, and they really are their primary creators, you know, um, to give them as much time and space on the ball, it was uh, I couldn't quite understand it. And you see, from the first goal, is a direct result of a decision to lay off the fullbacks. The ball comes out to. Um, to Alexander Arnold, and for probably the first time in the entire game, he tries to cut back across, um, not play it into the near post or uh, or to far post in the air. He tries to cut it back low, and it gets kicked. It gets uh, blocked out for a corner, and then you, his corner, you know, beautiful, beautiful corner um, into Mate who scores. So you know that that was. Um, that was very perplexing for me to see those guys given so much space, considering that I do believe they're the two. I mean, that's the best fullback pairing in the entire world. So it's, it was weird to give them so much space, but I understood in general because um, you did see Arsenal get some chances on the, on the counter, but in all honesty, it felt more like it was, you know, a matter of time before those got, before those two fullbacks started, you know, mixing up their crosses and, you know, playing the ball maybe into the center instead of crossing it every time. So I think it was always going to come if you're giving them that much time, um, that many touches to figure out what your defense is doing. Right. Right. No, I agree. Um, Granted, I, I, I do want to highlight a couple of good things that Arsenal did uh, outside of their defensive chamber. I'm, I'm actually going to just, go on a rant about David Luiz in a second, but I want to, I want to highlight some good things first. <laughs> Arsenal going forward were relatively impressive. They were more of what I expected in the sense that I think Ganduzi and Ceballos work really well together in connecting the lines and moving forward. Ganduzi, in my opinion, 
and I know a lot of people probably would disagree with this, was probably the best Arsenal player on the field. Uh, and I yeah, I, I would I would say Pepe and then Guendouzi, but but I understand yeah, Guendouzi was was actually pretty good. I would have said Pepe if he finished off that one on one. But I think I think that Guendouzi was in my opinion the best player because he he dribbled out of tight spaces. He got them out of sticky situations. He put them in better situations. If he doesn't do that, all of a sudden this game gets away from Arsenal without a doubt. If you lose the ball to Mo Salah within the 18-yard box, I mean, just congrats to the goal, right. like on the goal for Liverpool. So he did that time and time again. And they were, there was little intricate play in various pockets of the field in their own half that all of a sudden Arsenal were able to play out of. And Liverpool are a high-pressing team. They're one of the highest-pressing teams in Europe. And they were able to play through that. The only problem was that the times that they were able to play through that, they weren't always able to get it forward, or if they did, their forward squandered the chances, right? See the Pepe chances being the biggest one, and even Aubameyang doing the same thing um, early on in that game. So I, I just don't think that this is as bad of a game as it may have looked. I think this easily could have been a 2-2 draw like I had predicted, really? right? David Luiz. Yeah, wow. absolutely. If this doesn't, if if Pepe puts away that chance and David Luiz doesn't have a total collapse of all brain cells, then it's two two practically, right? I mean, it's easy to say that in hindsight. I I understand that, but in terms of play style, I I don't think that Arsenal should put their heads down. I think they have a lot to to hold their heads high on, especially going into a very very tough matchup this weekend. Uh, I I mean we we can get into more of this during the preview, but I okay I, I mean I I see what you mean with the with the chance, um, and that was a great chance that he's that he's on there. Um, but you know outside of that, I mean I don't think any of their chances were that great. But and generally they were pinned out. I mean the game got to after one nothing. Arsenal doesn't really come that close to scoring again to be honest so i, I i'm gonna have to yeah. agree i'm gonna have to dis- sorry disagree that that could have been a 2-2 because i think even if arsenal scores that first goal i have very little reason to believe that um that they would have been able to really sit in and uh and stop the pressure that was coming that was just building throughout the entire game um so i i yeah, I just have to disagree on that, really. That's that's fair. I, I do think they did a good job of blocking some shots and making some good tackles when, when the moment was right. Um, and, and a couple, a little bit of it may be subjectivity where I almost expected Arsenal to be the lesser side, so them being slightly better than just a totally lesser side might be part of it. Um, but I, I do think that they have a lot of positive take away from this. I just think that they're attacking, you know, I guess in this case it was more of a two, need to be more clinical. Um, Lacazette, in my opinion, should have come on earlier. I think he would have contributed a lot, yeah. especially when they were down um, 3-1. Mean, at their, excuse me, 3-0. Um, yeah. <laughs> then you're just like, ah, I guess I'll throw him on for fun. Um, but 80th I think minute is, yeah, 80th minute was just despicable <laughs> to, to wait that long yeah. to bring him on. Yeah, yeah, it was absolutely 
ridiculous in my opinion. Um, but I, I do think that, like I said, a lot could be taken away from this game. Okay. Well, I agree in the sense that, um, you know, this was a little different than other times that Arsenal have gone to play Liverpool and get absolutely housed. Um, th- there was effort. There yeah. was effort. This time. Like you could see there was more spirit in the team. And, you know, generally Liverpool is better. They're just a better team. Like they're just, they are, they're, they are. Uh, like outside, especially if you're not going to start, you know, the front three of, of Lacazette, um, Aubameyang and Pepe, like they're a much, much better team. If you're not going to play those three, <laughs> like they're way better. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Do, do you want to get off your, your Davo Luis thing now or save it? You <sighs> dude, you know what? I don't even care. I don't even want to talk about him. He's just, I don't. I, I'm not even like the biggest Arsenal fan. Like, I, like Arsenal are a team that I enjoy watching sometimes. But Jesus Christ, David, what are you thinking? You do that anywhere on the pitch, and that's a foul. That's normal. Just oh my God! You know the position you're in. You're losing against one of the best teams in the world. What are you doing there? Oh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna tug. Mosala's shirt because he will go slower, <laughs> but we are in the pen. Oh my God. I can't. These are the moments that I think I'm, I'm a neutral and I'm, I am shaking in my boots. I can't stand those decisions that make me want to pull my hair out. Just like, like what are, what are you doing? I'm done. I'm done. I, can, can we move on? Yeah, I'm done. Let's, I, I, I <laughs> let's move on. I'll, I'll give a quick shout out to uh, um, Fabinho and Liverpool's midf- midfield. Um, I thought they were their midfield was very, very good, especially in the second half. And I thought Fabinho was really like he's really starting to settle in. Um, he's a physical pre- presence. Um, I, 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 you know who else is? Who? David Luiz. He is a presence for sure. He is he is a presence. I agree. <laughs> um, but I, I have to give a shout out to Fabinho. Sure, he, I thought he was very good in that game. Um, but you know, now we see next week Liverpool goes away to Burnley, which is not going to be easy at all. Um, Burnley started off fairly well. You know, the uh, four points through the first couple first few games. Uh, Liverpool won their three one last season game where they where they didn't start uh, Salah, Mane, and Firmino. Um, I think because of just fitness stuff. Um, but it'll be a tough game. I, I, I wouldn't be too surprised to um, see Burnley be able to get a draw. But, you know, obviously I wouldn't put money on that. So, Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. If I'm having to predict this game, I'm going uh, 2-1 win for Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it is a tough one, and I do think Burnley started okay um, this season. But it's Liverpool. Yeah. No disrespect to Burnley. Anyway. It's just if if this was any other team outside the top two from last season, I might actually say they could get a draw. Um, but yeah, it's Liverpool. Four goals for Ashley Barnes so far, and so uh, you know, yeah, yeah, he's actually yeah. had a great season. Yeah. So want to move on to Old Trafford? No, no, no. I want to move on to the game I predicted perfectly, <laughs> and I'm going to talk about it all day long because what did I tell you? I said for absolutely yeah, no reason yeah. at said, all. I'm going for a yeah, Crystal Palace win. No reason at all. Okay, I'll pump your brakes just a little bit. Okay, you had literally no reasoning, and to be okay. fair, they were a little unlucky. Okay, expected goals of two point two four to Palace's zero point six eight. I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. stats, stats, stats. Rashford the right score post on the penalty. <laughs> I mean, and and then. <laughs> And then David De Gea, oof, man. I, I, <laughs> it 
So what can I say? It was aligned in the stars, right? All for uh, Marcus Rashford for um, God, Marcus Rashford, a great penalty taker to hit the post for it to go out in the inside of the post, post too. Who cares? I predicted this game oh. right. <laughs> Anyone that is willing to place bets on United's next game, please feel free to contact me anytime at theoverlappod at gmail.com. <laughs> anyway. Gosh, disgusting. How do you how do you think they even played, regardless of the fact that they lost? No, they play I mean, it's it's actually tough. I think they actually played fairly well. They're, I mean, they're getting a bit of stick from people, but you know, they they actually played pretty well for the most part. Um, there were still the same problems that I have with them in terms of the creativity in the midfield outside of Pogba. But, you know, I, I thought they got in good enough positions and they they really were unlucky not to get any sort of result from this game. Um, you know, De- 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 the fall of David De Gea is really, really confusing. It's, it's kind of really tough. confusing. It's, it's very weird. Um, but I, I don't think they should be that fans should be too upset about this. I, I, I thought they were actually they were the better team. I thought they, you know, this two two straight games of uh, missing a penalty is not going to happen most of the time. I mean, penalties go in about like three quarters of the time is on average. So you know, they they got their last two didn't go in. You know, they're they're one for three to start the season, which is tough. But uh, you know, the fact that they're getting penalties is is uh, is an encouraging thing. Um, yeah, I, I think they'll be all right. I, th- I still think they'll be all right. Um, but that, it's a bad loss. It is a really bad loss um, to Crystal Palace. Yeah. I can't, can't be understated. Um, did you know that Ole has only won three games since that PSG game? I was just reading that today. He's only won three games since that game. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's, that's kind of nuts when you think about it. Like – all of the rest have been draws and losses and like pretty evenly spread out between draws and losses, obviously. But that doesn't, that doesn't seem like a manager that has a lot of job security. I don't want to start this sort of panic or that's not my point. I'm just saying that results matter. Yeah, no, they do. I mean, it's Manchester United results are the most important thing, you know? Um, I mean, the, the team's not, Great. I mean, I don't know what to say. The team's not very. It's not. It's not a, a elite team. Um, team that's going to fight for a fourth, I think. Um, and and that's just the bottom line. They need to get four. They need to get top four. Um, I think they're good enough to do that. Uh, but <laughs> oh oh oh, you were oh you weren't oh sorry. You weren't <laughs> So that, I think they really think they are. Um, I, I mean, I really think the Maguire thing saves their ass, but uh, from relegation, oh, right? Okay, get out of here. They're, they're, they're generally <laughs> not not horrible, and um, they're generally a team that, that, that they should. I, they're good enough to finish fourth. Um, this is it's tough though because the De Gea thing. He's a big reason why they didn't finish fourth last season. You know. One of their last games of the season up against Chelsea, where they're up one nothing. If they win the game, they're tied. They were tied. They would have been tied with Chelsea um, for fourth place, and a very late huge error from David Luiz, from uh, sorry David De Gea um, 
leads to a yeah, <laughs> really, um, leads to a, leads to a goal that that game ends up being tied instead of United winning. So this is starting to become a problem. They can't really do anything about it in the season. They probably can't. They, they can't do anything about it too. next season either because they just signed him to a six-year extension. Um, exactly. Exactly. So that's definitely going to be something to monitor for this season because if he's going to end up costing them more points than what I expect Adrian to for Liverpool, then <laughs> then that's going to be. I mean, then there's going to be some real inquests at the end of the season. Um, overall, I think United. It's, it's it's a tough result to take, but I think I think they shouldn't hold their heads down too much. It's a bad, it's a really bad result, um, but yeah, I think they were a little unlucky in all honesty. And they go away to Southampton next week, um, which should be a win. But you know, I'm going to go out on a limb and predict a tie. I'm getting yeah. it right again, one-one. United Southampton, take all bets and put it on a 1-1 draw. You heard it here first. All right, that's enough from you, Nico Damas. For once again, no no reason at all. I'm sorry, did you say no, the economist? Said, no, no, I said that's vice? enough from you, Nico Damas. All right, let's, let's. Oh, oh, my God. All right, you know what? Let's, let's move on to the other Manchester team. Uh, the team that will is just – frankly showing why they won the title last season. Yeah. I mean, they I'll keep calling them just machine. They keep ticking along. Um, just, I mean, they, they dominated Bournemouth. Um, really fantastic goal from the Liverpool only Harry Wilson though. Um, on the free kick beautifully right into the upper 90 actually hits, actually hits, um, that, uh, what do we call it? the L? The L up in there. It, it literally hits it and goes in. It's it's really beautiful, beautiful goal. So that's that's going to be probably one of the goals of the season in terms of free kicks, at least. Um, mm. But no, they're, they're great. And and once again, we see the quality in City's midfield. It, the, in the same sense of with Liverpool, when the ball is played into the likes of Firmino. As soon as that ball's played into him, we see Mane or Salah immediately making a run off of him into the box, right? The same exact thing, um, we see Sterling. Sterling does this beautifully. As soon as the ball is played into uh, Dava Silva, before the ball even gets to Silva's feet, uh, Sterling's making a run in behind the defense, and and that's how he's getting a lot of his goals, um, and it's just great to watch. The real quality the top class quality in in uh city's midfield is really the reason why i think that they'll win the league that's the decide i think that's a really the ultimate deciding factor um why i think city's just a better team you know as great as liverpool is uh their their midfield is tasked with different responsibilities which is why it's always great to watch that watch the two, these two teams play against each other because there's a very different job being done by Liverpool's midfield three than City's, right? So um, I just think that City's quality there is the ultimate deciding factor. Through the first two games, City's midfield has expected assists of 4.61, where Liverpool's is 0.59. And we've seen expected goals and expected assists per 90 for the midfielders. Uh, we see City 7.42 versus Liverpool's 1.50. So you see where so many of the chances um, are coming through City's midfield. 
And, uh, you know, it's just a different setup than Liverpool's, but the golf there, 7.42 to 1.5, when you consider also that their um, forwards in terms of expected goals and expected assists are very similar in their numbers around, each of them around five expected goals and around four expected assists for each team. So when you're looking at where the differences are going to be, you know, you'd say probably somewhat of a, a tie in the attacking sense, uh, a tie in defending, and then you know where's the where's the real difference? I think it's in the midfield. Um, City's got the best midfield in the world, so you know it's tough to be better than that. But I, I think that's just really interesting to see the dichotomy of these two teams and how they use their midfield. And I think that City's is just the team as a whole is a step above because their midfield can um, create so many chances, but also scores a fair amount of goals. So, Well, I, I agree with all of that, but I do still think that they need to be more clinical. I E see last weekend's game um, because they do create a lot of chances. They, they have the ability to finish it off. We've seen that. Yeah. Um, I just think that sometimes they, they, sometimes not all the time they do lack that uh, just final push, right. but it's not a big deal. I do think it's a matter of, a game yeah, that's going to be a problem in, but I, in like knockout stages of stuff where, you know, champions league. Um, right. Yeah. I see what you're saying there. Um, I have a yeah. question for you and I don't want you to answer it with an explanation. Actually, I just want a yes or a no. My question is if you take Raheem Sterling today, and you put him on Liverpool's roster, do you think he starts? Yes or no? Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I do think he starts. Um, I think it's a bit of a weird fit because him, Salah, and Mane are very similar players um, in terms of wingers that, you know, in pretty much inverted wingers who are trying to make runs in between that uh, center back and the fullback. Um, I think he starts though. I think he'd have to start. I I I think it. It's a really good question. I th- I don't know how exactly Klopp tries to fit in those three guys, and I think Firmino is also so important. That's a good question. I I um, yeah yeah it's yeah. Tough, right? I mean, for me, I would say he starts. But it's really hard. I can't put him through the middle. I because I just told you how how important I think Firmino is. Mm-hmm. That's tough. I, I that's a really good question. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, if you put Sterling on that team, regardless, yeah, that that team's winning. Yeah, the, the oh, definitely. <laughs> I, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, they do have a game coming up this weekend. You want to? talk a little bit about that uh, yeah they played brighton this weekend um brighton also had a, have had a decent start but you know i can't <laughs> i can't with full knowledge with full um consciousness <laughs> say that i think that brighton can get it will 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 get a result so um yeah i think i think we yeah. took along again for another three point there we geez no don't not not we city i think they i think they tick <laughs> along for another three points here um now, do have to just touch on this just a little bit all right they got screwed on var again this week <laughs> the, they oh they God. got screwed on var to be honest i mean this one was this one was actually a var fault this is not like last week where it was just you know 
the rule is stupid, but this one was just a legitimate VR fault. And I just, I don't know what, not sure what we're doing here. If we're, if we're not trying to call the clear and obvious, if we're like too afraid to, I, I love not re-refereeing the game, but again, VR was brought in for clear and obvious. And I thought, and the challenge on uh, Silva is pretty clear and obvious. So that's all. That's Dude, all. Come that's on. All. It was a stamp. It was just, it was, uh, listen, it was just a stamp on the <laughs> yeah. foot. Like, it was a little, little friendly pat. It's not, very not normal, a big deal. Very normal in the run-up play. Very much so. That's all I got. Jeez. Yeah, I'm going to go. That's all I've got well, on Liverpool. Nah, that's fair. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with, um, I'm going to go with what's it called? A 6-1 six victory one. for six City this one. week. I think it's going to be one of those games where you're like, yeah, this is, I'm going to switch over to Friends or something and watch that the rest of the day. Um, but yeah, I think it's an yeah. easy one for them. Um, well, we do have two more games to get through. Real one more. Quick. We got one more game. Um, yeah. One more. Oh, I'm crazy. Yes. Yeah. Are you yeah, sure? Just one. Oh my God. It is one. I, yeah, I'm losing my mind. You didn't even put that team on. Our notes, Rian is slacking <laughs> this week. Yes, yes. We have one game, my boys, Chelsea, again. Um, they went away to Norwich this weekend. Uh, and, you know, I don't remember if I said this in the preview, but I did say it was going to be a very entertaining team to watch. And by entertaining, I should have really said this team – I th- is legitimately, I think, going to score a fair amount, but also give up a fair amount of goals. Um, I, again, it's another <laughs> week without Conte, to be fair. Um, two games without Conte, and they've shipped six goals in each of them. So, yeah, yeah, that sounds about no right. No Conte, still waiting for Rudiger, for Rudiger to come back. But um, it was a good game overall. Uh, the first, first half was really fun, really fun game. Really happy for Tammy Abraham to get a goal. Um, Pulisic gets in its yeah great second, second goal, goal was great yeah second goal was you know, real you know strikers finish um, uh, Pulisic gets an assist you know it was kind of perfect it was kind of a perfect um, holy trinity there for me as a Chelsea fan you get a goal from um, Mason Mount a great goal he's assisted from Christian Pulisic and then you get two goals from Tammy Abraham uh, but Norwich were also really very good that I'm really not worried about that team you know two games. Um, against top six teams from last season, and they granted they they scored only three goals, but you know they scored two against Chelsea, and uh, they quite easily could have scored a, one at least um, one or two more against Liverpool um, game. They you know they lost by four one, but they actually played pretty well uh, for large stretches of that game. So Norwich not not worried about them. They were quite good. Um, Kovacic, big shout out to him um, in Chelsea game. He was. Really, really good. Uh, he's, you know, he's a really good dribbler when he's just given the freedom to run forward, um, especially run from deep, especially. Uh, I think, you know, he's not, I don't think a number 10 in his, is his favorite role. I think he's best picking the ball up deeper and uh, making runs at defense. And uh, he had an assist in the last, on the Tammy Abraham second goal. So I'm really excited to see him play a lot more. I think he's going to become a regular in that midfield. Um, interested to see how the formations are going forward because I think that the best mode of action is playing Kovacic, Jorginho, and Conte as the midfield trio in that team. Um, 
And Mason Mount had to move over to left wing in this game because Pedro gets injured right before kickoff. And he can he can play there. He's he's really he's really good um dribbling. He's a lot better dribbling than I than I thought he was. Uh and he's he does well to get past players. So he can play in that position. I think he'll get he'll get some some pretty good chances in that area of the pitch. Um Barkley started came in to start after Pedro gets injured and pretty underwhelming from Ross. Honestly, after looking so good in the preseason, he's been pretty underwhelming in every appearance. Um this season so far yeah so that's true um that's a that's a slight concern but i i think his play especially in that game might lead to more fourth more uh games with a four three three, which i think is probably best for the team overall no i i agree generally with that um i do think a four three three works well just formationally um i think that generally gets to the best strengths of the team i'm just trying to think about what a what a midfield three would look like or what your ideal midfield three would look like i'm assuming it would be conte kovic and Jorginho. um but correct me if i'm wrong yeah that's a three that's that's the trio i think is is the best for the team yeah 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 no i i would agree i think there are three perfect pieces in that um i don't know if the forward line is as clear cut. I think Williams start now. I'm kidding. Um, I, what are you trying to do to me here, man? I think <laughs> give you a heart attack. Clearly, um, no. I, I genuinely do think that Pedro, when healthy, um, should start. Um, whether or not you play Pulisic, Tommy, and Mason Mount. Uh, for those last two spots, I'm going to leave that up to you because I think in, in my ideal world, I play Pulisic and Tammy Abraham, and I know that might be controversial, but that's my personal opinion. Yeah, I, th- um, I think you can be pretty adaptable with this team. I think um, against teams in the lower half that don't pose – a massive goal scoring threat. You can probably play a four, two, three, one where you have Conte and Jorginho or Conte Kovacic as your pivot. And then you can have, um, Mount playing the number 10 and Pedro Pulisic on the wings with, um, hopefully Abraham up top or, you know, Giroud if, if necessary. So, uh, I, I see, I see what you're saying. I do. I would like, I do like having Pedro in the team because he does both sides of the game very well. So, He's he's a very valuable player, right. especially you know once we get back from the international break and we're into um, midweek games, he's going to be really crucial. Um, also, the return of of Hudson Odoi and and uh, Loftus Cheek and um, the young right bat Reese James as well. It, those those are guys are all going to come back in September, October, um, hopefully. And uh, I, I'm pretty excited for the possibility, the attacking possibilities of this team going forward. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I'm very interested to see how they do next weekend. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yes. Um, they host Sheffield United. Uh, and if people get a chance to watch this game, we really should not, not, not because of Chelsea necessarily. Um, we're not even necessarily because, as an American um, soccer fan. But Sheffield United play – they play one of the most interesting um, – 
tactics in terms of their formation. Uh, they play three at the back, but they regularly have their outside center backs overlap um, to overload the wings. It's really cool to watch um, and really, really different. So it's definitely something to watch for. Uh, they're, they're a nice team. Um, so that's not going to be an easy game. Like I said, I don't think any game is going to be a stroll for this Chelsea team, especially at the start. Um, you know, maybe when you get to mid season and teams are, are really low, like down in the dumps, maybe it'll get a little easier, but, um, Sheffield will put, put up a good fight and, and I'll be really, uh, interested to see, you know, their pre-revolutionary tactics. It's really cool to watch actually. So they have, they have yeah, center backs no, I, who can cross the ball like pretty well. That's the only way you can do it. And their, and their guys can cross it pretty well. It's, it's cool to watch. That's definitely – it's really interesting to, to see clips of it and even better to watch it in uh, real time. Um, so I will definitely be watching that game this weekend because I think it's a very interesting matchup. Um, predictions, you want to go with uh, a Chelsea win then or are you saying the overlapping center backs get better of the youth? Um, I, I th- you know, I still think – there, you know, I still think Chelsea's a better team, obviously, but uh, I, I'm gonna say when you know they're at Sanford Bridge, um, I think they get their first home win of the season. Um, but I, I think it, I think it might it probably be. I, I'm gonna say like a two one, maybe three one, a late goal. But I, I think it'll be a pretty close match, at least for the first forty five minutes, probably. All right, fair enough. Very objective. I appreciate that. Um, I do think that they're good enough to beat the Sheffield United side. I'm going to go with a 3-2 instead. Um, I think there could be a lot of goals in this one. Um, but I'm mm, in favor of Chelsea. But I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep that 3-2. Again, very little that I'm basing it on. But, hey, that's how I'm feeling because, you know, I can make predictions like that nowadays. Yeah, maybe you'll pull a rabbit out of your ass again. Yeah, dude. No, it's are you kidding? <laughs> this is <laughs> this is how betting works. <laughs> Man. Well, anyway, you want to move on? Want to move on to the upcoming Champions League draw? I do. Our last line of business is the Champions League returning soon next month. Champions League draw. It's Thursday morning. Um, We will be doing another podcast later this week after the draw comes out on the teams that are in the different groups. Uh, But just so you guys know, the teams that are in the very first pot are obviously the holders, Liverpool, the Europa League winners, Chelsea, Barcelona, Manchester City, Juventus, Bayern, PSG, and Zenit St. Petersburg. So those teams will not be playing each other in the group stages um but they obviously will be paired up against very top teams so i think we're very excited to see what teams get to play each other in the group stage i know i'm excited to definitely talk about the matchups that we will be seeing come thursday i guess probably early-ish afternoon in the states um but yeah rian what do you think Looking forward to it. I, I really hope I genuinely, as someone with a low, pretty low expectations for his team this season in basically all competitions, um, I really want to see just uh, pretty good teams in the group. <laughs> this, I, I don't have any sort of ex- expectation of winning the group, of making it <laughs> past the round of 16. Um, 
So I would generally like to see, I would love to see like a Hazard um, and Real Madrid in the group or, uh, or Dortmund to see Pulisic go back to play in Germany. No, so ho- hoping that they get a, um, so a couple of cool opponents to play. How, we, how about you? That's very fair assessment. I, um, I'm feeling okay. I, I want to see a couple more games under Valverde this season before I start saying, yeah, I think they're doing great. I think they can make a deep run because, dude, after the last two years, I uh, I don't know what to think of this team in the Champions League. At this point, I'm just like, ah, they might do something. I don't freaking know. Like, the, I'm just, I gave up. I give up with this team sometimes, especially in the Champions yeah. League. But you know what? I have I have high hopes for them this season. Um, but I'm not not gonna just jump right in before the draw even started. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, we should get some pretty interesting groups. We've got three English teams in the first pot, so you know that leaves just Tottenham aside of that. So that though I believe they'll probably be in pot two. So we'll see. We should get some pretty interesting groups though. That is very true. Well, with that, for this podcast, Rian and I, Rian, oh, I'm sorry, I butchered your name. I, I just, <laughs> whatever. We're going to move on. Rian and I will go ahead and part ways. Look out for the Champions League Draw podcast, likely on Friday. We will also be coming out with a Match of the Weekend podcast this week. So, with that, Rian and Elias signing off. Take care, everyone. Don't forget to like, oh, don't like, sorry. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify and also leave an iTunes review. And uh, maybe I'll read it out for you at the end of our next episode. Oh, I like that idea. That was on yeah. the fly. That wasn't even our yeah. notes. Well, thank you all for listening and have a great night. Thanks, guys.